One of the things that we talk to our stylists about is like try to pick up on like the subtle cues like of, of a client. Some clients just want to space out or watch the show or work on their laptop or just like not talk. And then some clients sometimes just want to be real chatty and talk. And uh, it's our job to be like what they need. I mean, that's the thing about Drybar that I think is why it's worked. We created that experience. I feel like, you know, obviously we didn't invent blowouts. They've been around forever. We just created this much better space and environment for you to go. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. My hips are so tight. I'm sure yours yeah. feel the same. I do where you like separate your yeah. feet and then you like whack your hips to one yeah, side and the other it's like it's the best mm-hmm. I got a massage last night at that place how was it and he's like do you work construction <laughs> what every girl wants to hear what when they're are having you their wearing, body rubbed Tim's? with oil they ask when touching your shoulders do you work that's construction. the weirdest that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard he was joking oh I pray the last time I was at the now, I had this guy. Like, sorta. Sorta. Yeah, actually. <laughs> You're like, I was moving. Yeah. Um, and he went so hard on my inner thigh and so kind of like very close to the the goods. I was like, I don't is think this that's right? Like I just didn't know. I was like, all right. When I was in Vietnam, I was like harassed. I had to get up and leave. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, it was the most fucked up thing ever. I didn't know if I went into a place where that was happening. Mm-hmm. But I had to leave. It was so inappropriate. It was so messed up. Dude. But then when I left and I was walking out, I looked down and I looked to my left and they sleep in these bunk beds in a closet. Honestly, it was like, I was like, oh, wow. Oh my God. It's fucking crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Hello. Hello, everybody. Bing, bing. Welcome. Bing, bing. <laughs> bing, bing. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm a construction worker. <laughs> I'm- are you? Just still living my first lifetime as a woman. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you got your first vaggie. You got your first vaggie vag. Oh, man. First vaggie, vaggie, vaggie. I'm wearing my... I don't know if these are... I love are this cool look on you. I really do. Yeah, I love these shorts. They're actually. so cute. So I got these Fabletic shorts um, and they're like bike shorts underneath and they're shorts on the bottom and they're fucking going to be worn every day. Yo, bike, short, they're bike shorts are coming back. Yeah. They're so comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear them until they smell like pee. That's what you usually well, do. <laughs> Secrets out. We just wear things until Gigs they up. smell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Until I get called out in public places about my smell. <laughs> it's like becoming a problem. I think it's like, I think people are probably going to be talking about it behind my back. 
Like today, I smelled. We had our podcast we did with Jacqueline. Um, so cute. So cute. What's your Jersey podcast? Yeah. She's awesome. She's a comedian so here in LA. She brought us Celsius, which is so Jersey and amazing. Because it's a canned energy drink. It's a drink. canned energy drink. And we drank it. I was bomb. Is yours done? Yeah. I'm feeling a little like I actually really like it. it. I looked at it, I was like, eh, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty Healthy good. Healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. Yeah, that's all you got to say to us. Yeah, honestly. Burns body say fat. Say burns body fat and I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Welcome to the podcast. If you're new, I'm Krista Williams. And I'm Lindsay Simsick. We're so happy to have you here. Thank the friend that sent you this podcast or the person that told you about this. It means so much that you're with us. Yeah. We're, we're all just, learning together. Yeah, we're on this uh, transitional period together. It doesn't have to be necessarily 20s to your 30s. Um, I'm sure you guys know that we're always kind of almost something or going through some kind of transition, uh, whether it's, you know, relationships, career, spirituality, health and wellness. So, um, we just hope that we can, you know, comfort you Mm -hmm. in that you're not alone and inspire you and laugh. Spicy. Spicy and light. But yeah, we were just talking to Jacqueline. She's one of our listeners, which is so sweet and she's so funny and has like the best spray tan in LA. Yeah, she has such a good spray tan. Love her. We're talking about her working at the comedy store. What else were we talking about? Oh, what, like high school, where we're from. I'm trying to think Uh of what else. What did we talk about that? There was so much. We were just like riffing. Riffing. We were just fun. That's what I like to do. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. So we've been on tour and we want to see you if you have not gone to our website, almost30podcast.com slash tour. Just check it out. If you have friends in that area, we want to meet you. This is not some weird, like, what do I want to say? I know what you want to say, but I don't know. We're not, there's not like there's no a rope. line to meet us. There's no rope. Yeah. There's no like hot guys serving cocktails. This is like it's girls no thunder from down under. Hang. Yeah. We're just hanging. There's no hype, man mm-hmm. or woman. There could be. Yeah. If we give Chloe enough like kombucha, she gets up there. Yeah, she should be our intro. (laughs) And you'll get tons of goodies from amazing sponsors like Home Nutrition, who's been our marquee sponsor on our tour. Mm -hmm. Want to thank them for all the support that they provided. But yeah, tour has been fucking amazing and fun and crazy. And then Lindsay and I now are putting out uh, eight episodes a month. So we used to do four and then we do six. Now we do eight, um, which is a shitload. That's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. But it feels good. Yeah. You know, we're, we do have that much content. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of forcing us to, you know. And built out. Build out. Built out. And get more content. help, which is nice. Yeah, for Can't real. say it enough. If you're building a business, get help. Get help. Yep. Number one. Number one, get help. What are you doing? It just, you're going to make more money. I don't know what else to yeah, say. Dude. You're going to make more money if you have help. Yeah. And also, well, this is actually... So at our um, female founders event uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Rachel Geik talked about, um, you know, self-care as an entrepreneur. Um, and it's really important, you know, mm. if you're, if you're running and listen, I know there's some parts of this entrepreneurial journey where you feel like, oh my God, I have no more to give, but 
there has to be some sort of balance because I assume that you want this to last, that you are in it for the long game. And if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't outsource and ask for help and have people who do some of these things better than you do them, Mm. I mean, there's going to be a life Mm -hmm. to your, there's going to be like an end date to your Yeah. Cause you can only do so much and you're going to evolve and you're going to want to change. So you know, Lindsay and I have taken on help or we, I know that there's people out there that can do what we do better. So we've always uh, wanted to do that. Uh, biz tips with uh, Carista and Lindsay. Biz tips. Biz tips. Take help. I'm back on Hinge. No. Cool. Whatever. I meant no, like, wow. I meant no, like, wow. Like, that's cool. You, it's whatever. You need to be on it. I just, I go through waves. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, like, also, Hinge is doing this like thing now where it's like different. What is it? So there are these like funny, thoughtful, weird questions that you answer. Into it. Three of them. And that's kind of how you say yes or no. Like there are pictures, obviously, and whatever. But it gives the person a little bit more of a personality. Love that. I'm obsessed with that. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, give us our bio. It's like these funny questions. Because yeah. no one knows what to do with a bio. Yeah. How, how could I describe myself in four four sentences? Mm-hmm. I'm different every fucking hour. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'll probably be off in two weeks, but I go through waves. I'm like, yeah, okay. Have you connected with anyone? Hinge is um, close yeah. by. Hinge is friends of friends on Facebook, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've connected with a few people. No dates set up yet. That's the thing about dating apps. Very rarely do people... Like through. cut the combo and are just like, I'd love to yeah. set something up. Yeah. You kind of like dawdle. And like, I'm, I can easily just say like- I don't want be, a pen pal. No, be the Shoot one. Them. I can be the one that like sets up like, hey, I'd love to hang out. But I also like someone. I know. You've been a man too long. Been a man too long. It's time to be a woman. Let <laughs> them come to you. But it's true. I mean, everyone wants that. Like, just cut the, cut the bullshit. Yeah. Just cut the shit. Cut the shit. There's too much shit in life. Cut the shit. But it does remind me being on Hinge, man. Wow. There's just a lot of like- Riff raff. Riff raff. Like not a lot actually. Hinge I think is like kind of better than I thought. There's mm-hmm. a lot of riff raff on other apps that I've been on the, in the past. But I, I'm just like fascinated by like the photos, especially that people take. I'm like, okay, so what? I have some like non- I don't care how hot you are. I don't care how whatever you are. No shirt. Yeah, I don't like it. It depends on the context. If you're flexing and like it is blatantly to show off your body, not into it. Mm-hmm. But if you're like with your dudes and you're like on a surf trip and you're like yeah. chilling, like I don't jumping really into know. the lake, yeah, whatever. I'm like, okay. But like if you're like kind of posed a little bit and flexing, yeah. I mean, there's nothing I hate more. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Selfies are always weird. Yeah, as a guy, it's kind it's of weird. It's a, it's a double standard. It's always weird. It's a double standard for sure. I That's fine. Agree. It is a double. It is. It is a double standard. I agree. God, I just can't even imagine. Well, I'll take you through some. Yeah, I would love to actually go through mm-hmm. some. A lot of them like to like pose with animals because whatever they think it's. Yeah, dude. A lot of my guy friends always would put on their profile picture like them with like a baby. I'm like, Babies or dogs or. Trying you know, to get that pussy. Yeah. Trying to get in. Trying to get that pussy with a little. <laughs> <laughs> or number one, hmm. 
With their sisters? Them on a private jet. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Because, like, it was, it was probably just a one-time thing. Some, like, crazy, weird, whatever. It's like Jet Sweet X. But, like, they put it on their profile picture. Their profile. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah, literally. Only happens once. I mean, that's, like, very... Even if it happens every too. week, I don't... What? Yeah. But some girls care, so I guess... Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, all right. Let us know if you're on uh, dating apps. Yeah, let us know if you see Lindsay on a dating app. Yeah. If you're a a gal looking for another gal and you see LT. Oh my God, we got to let it rest. (laughs) (laughs) She's done. I agree. (laughs) She's a lady in this lifetime. I'm a construction worker and you're a lady in this lifetime. (laughs) Um, All right, so today on the podcast, we had like the coolest convo with Miss Allie Webb of Damn, yeah, it was so fun. That was so cool to hang out with her. She's the coolest. She came in smelling like dry bar. Krista called it out. Would anyone expect anything else? And I was like, what else else would she smell I just was like, whoa, she's living, breathing, smelling the brand. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, oh, hey, girl, so fashionable wearing this cute jumpsuit that was like, Comfy, young, and hip, and her hair looked amazing. She's just, she's really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, she's fun and cool. I'm always, you know, in LA, I think like, you know, some people have airs, some people don't. Yeah. This woman has built a serious empire. Yeah, man. Had no problem taking time out of her day to come to our little studio yep. to hang. Yep. It was, it's just... Hi, yeah. human, you're a human being. Thank Honestly, you so much. If I were her, I would have had my like bodyguard take me to and from. <laughs> Literally. I'd be like, oh, I came in like riding a magic carpet. My bodyguard's with me. Yeah. I'm so rich. So rich. But she's literally she's so down to earth. So down to earth. So um, Lindsay and I had so much fun talking to Allie. We talked about her journey to creating Dry Bar, what's hard about being an entrepreneur. We talked about the tough times of building the business in the first couple of years. Uh, we talked a lot about balancing motherhood and entrepreneurship. So what she does to feel good about mm-hmm. how she's showing up as a mom and building the business. We talked about uh, her relationship with her husband and yep. her brother. They're all in business together, yeah. mm-hmm. which is mostly amazing, but can be challenging at times and how she's kind of navigated that relationship and balanced that. I mean, we're just in awe of what she's built. They have a, over 105 locations. Yeah, man. They went for it. And, you know, providing a space for women to come on a regular basis because it's affordable. They feel good. They're confident. It, it's kind of amazing. I know it sounds silly, but like what a blowout will do for a gal, you know? And she's kind of, she's really, you know, captured that lightning in a bottle um, with that concept. So we're really grateful for her for coming. She's an expander for us and uh, we know she will be for you too. So enjoy this episode. If you love the episode, share it with your friends. Um, That's truly how we have grown. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Um, That is our favorite thing in the world to read. Do we have one? Yeah, let me find a good one. Thanks for the reviews, everyone. (laughs) Ellie Dag. I think this is probably Danielle. Oh. 
Favorite podcast, five stars. Thank you for the movement you have started. I resonate so deeply with the things you talk about and the expertise and stories that your guests have. Listening to the Almost 30 podcast is like hanging out with my coolest, most loving, and most relatable friends. Mm. It's true, honey. We are your friends. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much. Excited for you guys to hear this episode. Join the secret Facebook group to give your feedback and we will see you on the flip. Bye. And she's got an emerald band. I have an emerald band too. And my my little like emeralds, baguettes or they're like baguettes. Yeah. And mine are mine are probably like half a carrot. So it's like a pretty like pretty half crazy day. ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hers are like three. I mean, they're it's so big. It was like there's a picture in Vogue of the the baguettes or whatever yeah. ring, but there yeah. wasn't like the actual. Yeah, rock. that's the thing is like I would feel I I feel uncomfortable. I'm gonna feel uncomfortable even with mine oh, right now. I mean, I don't know how she goes anywhere. I'm yeah. sure she doesn't wear. But but I've seen her. But then it's like, do you get a fake? one you know uh, you know what i mean yeah i thought about that yeah i'm like sometimes i, I think would a like lot a of people one. do that like you would never know the difference between like a cubic zirconia. i mean you would know yeah. which is the problem but other yes. people wouldn't know that's a that's what's so weird about it because i honestly thought about that i'm like what if i just got like a fake <laughs> i have fri- i have friends i won't mention who they are who have that who have like cubic zirconia rings you would never know see you would never know I would never know a person that would know. Why does it? And you I would know, never. Then why ask. does it matter that we want? The it's because you would know, and you'd be like ashamed. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's so weird. And nobody would know except That's, for like no you and your husband. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend one time that um, they were engaged, and they actually like are not engaged anymore. But she accidentally like lost her ring. And was Is like, that why they're not engaged anymore? Well, <laughs> almost. So it was freaking out. And it was like the David Yurman. It was like a David yeah. Yurman wedding ring. She was like, well, you know, I lost it like freaking out. And she's like, we have to call David Yurman and tell them because it's insured with them, right? He was like freaked out. He was so mad at her. And it comes to find that it was a fake like David Yurman ring. Oh, no wonder he was yes. mad. He <laughs> so that's why he was so mad. He's like, oh, Because it was fake, literally. How he got funny. Out. I know. I was like, isn't that interesting? Oh. And then now they're not engaged anymore. Because she was like, I don't know about this yeah, guy. Yeah, because he's like a liar. Liar. Which yeah. is like a bummer though. You know, you want to just get your girlfriend like the best ring. Yeah. But- I mean, ring talk. <laughs> I know. I'm just one of my on favorite fucking badass, and you're badass. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, honestly, it's like here. it's it's sick. I love it. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're pumped. We, we are, are so drive excited. our lovers. Thank you for We've having me. We've gone in like so many time. of our cities. I've been saying all week. I'm like, I just want someone to wash my hair. Yeah. I know it's Literally. so much better when somebody else does it's just it. The best. It's so much, and I love too, like the vibe and environment that, like, with a stylist, I can talk to them or not talk to them, and it's right. cool. Right. Mm-hmm. I like really, really appreciate. It's actually that. like one of the things that we talk to our stylist about. It's like try to pick up on like the subtle the energy cues, yeah. like of, of a client. Some clients just want to space out or watch the show or work on their laptop or just like not talk. And then some clients sometimes just want to be real chatty and talk. And uh, it's our job to be like figuring that out and kind of be what they need. It is harder to talk because of all the blow dryers and the music going that does prevent a challenge. And then you're like this and (laughs) your stylist is like, you know, um, but you know, we worked really hard to create that environment. So I'm happy you feel that way. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah, I feel like it's really part of. I mean, that's it. the thing about Drybar that I think is is why it's worked. It's cr- we created that experience. I mean, I, I always tell people, I feel like you know, obviously we didn't invent blowouts; they've been around forever. We just created this much better space mm. and environment for you to go, which is why, you know, women could go to like fantastic exams and you can figure out places to go to get a blow, but you, you don't get all the other stuff, you know, the branding and the customer service, the way it feels, the way, you know, the experience of the status. I mean, it's, there's a million little things, but mm-hmm. it all does boil down to the experience. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you have the experience down. Yeah. Well, we try. Honestly, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah I'm so grateful because I, 
teach Soul Cycle part time mm-hmm. and I don't brush my hair. So the fact that you guys are always kind of close, yeah, and like oh, we're near, yes. we always are near Soul Cycles. Well, That's so cool. You teach Soul Cycle. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, I feel just, like but, you have to have a certain personality to be able to teach a class like that because you have to really. It's a lot. Dig deep. Yeah, yeah you right? do every day. Yeah. Can you imagine digging I like deep that much? I, that's real deep. I know. It's every too day. Deep. Do you do it every day? Uh, so I just went part time. So it's not quite every day now. But when I was teaching full time, it was six days a week, multiple oh times God. a day. Yeah. I feel like it's you lot, like but. that's the greatest thing about SoulCycle. I feel like better than the workout is the instructors who pump you up and make you like think about like your life and like you're mm-hmm. you're like crying. crying. Totally. Like, Why am I crying? It's such a yeah. spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well done. Yeah, I'm lucky. Can you but, imagine digging deep at 6 a.m.? No. <laughs> I did this morning, I, but didn't. I was um, like, oh man, this I is know. I don't rough. like doing anything at 6 a.m. Oh, I'm so not a morning person. Yeah, what's your like routine? So it just kind of depends on the day. Yeah. It's like every day is different for me now. I mean, I was so like cool. so happy today. I didn't have to do really much and because <sighs> I've been on like this crazy like schedule for mm-hmm. the last like I'm well for the last eight years, and every now and again I get a day where it's like there's not a lot, a lot going on. And today, this is like my big this is my big outing oh, for the I day. Know. Thank you so <laughs> much. Nice and fresh. Truly, yeah. I actually it. spent some time in my office, and that was, I saw the girls and brought them goodies and whatever. Aww. But which I don't don't actually get to do a mm. lot because I'm always traveling. I'm always at events. I'm always at stuff. Um, and now we're recording our recording our podcast. So it's just my my schedule is so crazy and full all the time that it's. It's exhausting. Mm. I mean, in a good way. And I'm so grateful, but it's like, whew, having a morning off when I also have the house to myself because as you know, my kids are away at summer camp. Mm. So it's nice. So, so, so yeah, it just depends on, on the day. I mean, I'm gearing up to do a bunch more traveling coming up, mm. but enjoying summer at home, kind of relaxed. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Can you... Um, so... Our listeners know who you are and are big fans. They've told us we have a secret Facebook group that Oh, really? About you coming mm-hmm. on. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah, we love you. But we always just like to kind of track the trajectory and like mm-hmm. connect the dots. I know yeah. this hasn't always been this enormous empire. Mm-hmm. And it's right. always it been nine started, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> started as a seedling, you know, so yeah. we'd love to go back. To how it all started? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, really, it's like always been a thing for me to get blowouts. Mm-hmm. I grew up in South Florida. I have naturally curly hair. As you know, South Florida is like frizzy, humid weather. It's impossible. Didn't help my hair problems, and it was just always that thing that I was kind of mystified about. Like, how do how do people get like soft, bouncy, smooth hair? <laughs> how does it work? And I tried to figure it out on my own for a long time, and then you know, after kind of bouncing around after high school and different careers, I decided to finally go to beauty school, which I felt like was like where I was meant to be and, and spent, you know, the last 20 years or so in, in the beauty industry, doing hair at salons and all sorts of things. And then I got married, had two kids and was a stay at home mom, which was like, that thought that was going to be it. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of all I thought I like really wanted to do. And then after five years of being a stay at home mom, I got a little antsy and was like, gosh, I got to get out of the house and do something for myself. And so I started my mobile blow dry business, which is called Straight at Home. And I was just running around LA blow drying like all my mommy friends. And I realized during that time, because I was only charging $35 a blowout, which Mm -hmm. is very cheap to go to someone's house by any standards. Yeah, especially in LA. Especially in LA. But for me, it was like, I didn't really care so much about the money. It was more about like getting away from my kids for a couple hours and having a a break. Yeah. So I started doing this just to like, you know, I I had only been in LA a couple of years at that point. So I didn't even know that many people 
So it was a great way to like get out of the house, meet other women who also had kids who were in the same, like same space as I was. And there, I, I was like, I'll just come over when your baby's napping and give you a blowout. And so I got really busy really fast. And when I couldn't go to my clients' homes, which would happen a lot, I would say like, what do you do? And, and the answer was always like, well, I either go to like the discount chain down the street or I go to a full service salon where, you know, I'm overpaying for the blowout mm-hmm. and they want to cut my hair and color my hair and it smells like a perm and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, huh. And that's kind of when the idea started, you know, coming to mind. And I was like, well, I I always dreamt of a place like Dry Bar. I didn't think it through all that well back then. But, you know, the more I started talking to my clients, the more I realized, man, there really is nothing. There's this huge hole in the marketplace. Like, why why doesn't anybody do just blowouts? And, you know, I think that, like, it's been interesting over the years as we've grown how women have said, oh, I had this idea and whatever. And I'm like, listen, it's it's a really hard business to execute. While it may not look that way, it is incredibly hard. You know, I have a lot mm-hmm. of years' experience not only doing blowouts, but working in salons and understanding how salons' mm. environments work, how stylists feel and think and all of that. So, Anyways, I um I went to my brother and my husband who, you know, are my business partners and are both bald, which I'm sure you've heard me say that before, <laughs> um, the irony. And I said, you know, I think I should turn straight at home into, you know, a brick and mortar, which another side note that a lot of people don't know is that we actually at that point bought the URL for straight bar because it was meant to be a spinoff of dry, of my business straight Bought at home. That real quick, realized real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then we we're like, um, I don't think we should call it straight bar. That doesn't that doesn't feel right, you know. So, anyways, we ended up coming up with dry bar. But you know, it was it was really just because it was like, wow, wow, no one's doing this. And I think at the time, you know, stylists who worked in full service salons, like they didn't want to do like the fifty dollar or eighty dollars or what hundred dollar blowout. They wanted to do the three hundred dollar haircut. You know, so it wasn't like it was kind of annoying. I think it still is like stylists, you know, they, they don't, the blowouts, as you guys know, always go to like an assistant or whatever. And that's like what I did when I was an assistant. And so it's very hit or miss what you're getting. And so that's where I thought like, surely there's an opportunity here to just hone in on this one Mm -hmm. service. So I convinced my brother to give me the money to open the first store. Cameron, my husband is a creative director. He had was working at an advertising agency at the time and that was his career. So he started like working on the website. My brother was like putting all the spreadsheets together because he's like the business side of things. And I was figuring out how we were going to get this shop off the ground if I could get enough stylists who would also like doing blowouts, which is also a very big question mark Mm -hmm. for me. I was like, are there even stylists out there that would only want to do blowouts because to be mm. to work in any kind of hair salon, you need to have a, a full cosmetology license. So, would stylists be even willing to do this? It's very labor intensive, whatever. But lo and behold, there was, and I started interviewing people like like in my living room. And their interview process was blowing out my hair <laughs> to see if like they were any good and if they were nice people, you know. So that was like how the whole thing started, and you know, it was probably about I don't know eight months to a year of planning before we opened Dry Bar, which was in 2010, in the middle of a recess- recession, mind you. So mm. it was also like, felt very risky. And our first location was in Brentwood, Brentwood Gardens. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me. And they're like, you know, every business that's been in here has failed in our particular spot. Mm. And I was like, thanks for that. Oh my you know, and, and because it was t- 2010, like the people were really cutting back. Like people, there was like, I remember taking my brother to Brentwood Gardens for the first time and there was like nobody there. And he was like, 
I don't, and he didn't, he wasn't super familiar with the area. I had a good friend who lived around the corner. So I, mm-hmm. I knew that there was like, you know, it was like a lot of daily use. And obviously now it's gotten so much more, you know, built out. But at the time there was just nobody even around and we were scared shitless that like nobody was going to yeah. come. Yeah. But, and, and what was funny is after we did open and we were so busy, like, you know, we had all the tenants coming over to us and being like, you know, you revived the center. Women Aww. are here now, which is really amazing, you know? And so I think what happened was women were cutting back on cut and color and they would go a little longer in between haircuts yep. and go a little longer each color because having a great blowout made you feel really good. And so, you know, that's how the whole thing started. And that was over eight years ago. And, you know, as soon as we opened that first store, we were like, we are, we definitely are on to something. And this has struck a chord with women and we need to keep going. And so that was, that was it. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you, how much money did you guys need to start? Like how much money would like a new business owner need to start like that? Well, it's different. To, it's hard to say in, yeah. as a general term, because for us and, and dry bars, like, there's so much electric yeah. because we have to have so much more electric than a normal business because mm. we have, you know, in Brentwood, for example, there's eight, you know, stations, which need to have a blow dryer and curling irons and wow. all this electricity. So most, you know, most like a clothing store would never need the yeah. amount of electricity we need. Also, we need a, a, like 10 times as much AC as a normal business needs because wow. we're blowing hot in hot air into the space. Wow. So, you know, even if we had, it's, which is honestly, we, we like, I think it was like maybe like five or six years before we actually even figured out exactly what we needed because it gets so hot. Like our shops in the Valley, whew, oh those God, are, those imagine. babies are hard to keep because it gets oh so hot God. there. It's so, so, you know, so there's a, and then not to mention, there's a lot of build out for us. So, you know, dry bar set up like a bar and there's all the mill work behind the bar. So that, all of that stuff is very expensive Mm -hmm. too. So, you know, it's funny because when you compare it to like, you know, like, um, I don't know if you guys know Sarah Gibson Tuttle. She's a good friend of mine. She owns Olive and June, you know, her, I mean, I know I won't say it, but I know what her build out costs and it's like significantly less than ours because, you know, she has to bring in chairs, but they do, you know, they bring you a little bowl for your pedicure. So they don't have to have the water like we do. They don't have the electricity. It's just a much smaller whole Mm. setup than ours ours is so expensive. I mean, so, you know, to answer your question, when we first opened, my brother basically put in Mm $250,000, which, and we put in like 50, which is our life savings Mm -hmm. at the time. And, And that was not even enough. I mean, wow. we had to, we at the, at the like kind of the last hour, we had to get more money to finish the store. Um, and now, you know, with the, with inflation and everything, the stores are well over that to build. So, you know, I mean, the good news is the stores pretty much recoup that within a year. So it, it it's a, it's a good business mm-hmm. model, but so it really depends. I mean, yeah. if on the flip side, if you're o- opening a clothing store, my parents had their own clothing stores growing up in, you know, entrepreneurial, DNA that I have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's also a really expensive acquisition too, because you have to buy all this inventory. And so you get, you know, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on inventory to open up a store. So, you know, the, the costs are different for everyone, but yeah. for us to do what we've done and to build out the stores the way we do, it's it's pretty expensive, which is why, you know, we always need to do, I mean, we do on average about a hundred blowouts a day, give or take per store. And we have mm-hmm. 105 stores now. So it's a lot of blowouts, mm-hmm. a lot of hot air. Oh, um, and so, you know, that's that's what we need to do to make the business work. In the early days, we thought it was going to be like 30 or 40 blowouts a day, which of course would be terrible now because we didn't, we totally underestimated, yeah. you know, what this yeah. business was going to be. So 
And your brother bought onto it. Your brother and husband bought into it yeah. immediately. They were like, well, my, yeah. my brother was like, took a minute because he was like, why don't, and one of the first things he asked me is like, why wouldn't you do cut and color too? Like, why not just make this a regular salon? And I was like, well, personally, I'm just not very interested in that part of it. Like, I always loved the blowout. Even when I was cutting hair, I couldn't wait to get through the haircut to blow out the hair because mm-hmm. that's when you really, like, that's when the client got excited. That's when mm-hmm. you saw it, like, come to life. Mm-hmm. And so, and for that's me- when you stop looking like ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like, in the salon chair, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, your hair wet, slick, no makeup. Totally. And that was actually, like, part of the reasoning for building dry bar the way we did. So you weren't staring at a mirror. Oh. You know, I always felt like, why mm-hmm. does anybody want to stare at themselves with, like, wet hair? Yeah, and really. and just the whole, I mean, and I get it, obviously, when you're doing a haircut, you need the mirror actually more for, like, measuring and things like that but like yeah why why subject a woman to like staring at herself for 45 minutes it's like there, you can't help but like pick yourself apart like I look tired like all these things 100%. that we do as women so that's why I was like I don't want women sitting at a station a typical hairstyling station I want them to be sitting at a bar they can get glimpses of themselves but then when you're done as you know you get you turn around for the big reveal which also actually came from my mobile business that it was like I was doing women's um, blowouts like in their kitchen and so when I was done they would find a, you know, a mirror like in their bathroom and I'd hear oh, this nice. big like, oh my God, because they had gone from like mm. seeing themselves with just like wet brushed hair to like done amazing hair. So we tried to recreate that in dry bars, what we now call the big reveal. So, but yeah, so my brother was was a little skeptical of, of the idea at first and, and mainly because it was like, how are we going to get this many women in the door? Yeah. You know, I mean, will, will that work? Will they come? You know, and my husband was more bullish about it because he knows what my hair looks like when it dries naturally. And he's like, he's like, I know he's like, he's like she like, needs help. Yeah. He's like, I, I, he's like, I know you get your nails done every week, but when you come home with a blowout, it's like the first thing I notice, you know? Oh. And it's true. I mean, there's some, we hear it from women all the time. I'm sure you guys feel that way too. When you get your hair done, like people notice, you know, and sometimes they don't even know what they notice. They're just like, something is different. Like you look really good. And you're oh, like, boy. It's, you know, it's, it was like a lot of times women come in during their lunch break and they go back to work and everybody at the office is like, what changed, mm. you know? So it is, and that's what we've learned running this over the last, you know, eight years. It's like we're, we give women this amazing confidence, you know, where they feel so great about themselves. And that's, that's like not something I totally realized when we were starting this. I was like, this is a service that women want and need, you know, that was all mm. I was really thinking. The fact that it turned into this, like, you know, it sounds so lofty, but like changing, you know, the, the way women feel about themselves yeah. and like women who are like, I won't go to a board meeting without a blowout or an important date or lunch, or if I just want to feel better about myself, I've had a shitty day, you know? So it's like, mm. it's really like, if someone once did an article on us called the psychology of a blowout. And, mm. you know, it really is like, you know, like lifts your mood and makes you feel better about yourself. And I mean, and it's, I, even when I say it, I feel like it sounds kind of silly, but it's it's pretty amazing when you sit in dry bar and you watch the way a woman comes in the shop, very serious and like all business and a little bit cranky. And then when she walks out and she's like looking at every mirror and she's like, oh, she's just so like, right. there's this happiness, you know? So it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and that's, I, I couldn't have, I didn't see that. I didn't, mm. I, I didn't even realize how, how impactful and how much women were going to love this. I just thought, you know, I could open one little shop in Brentwood and that would be like my livelihood, mm-hmm. you know? So, I think too, yeah. like to be kind of that, um, that gateway to 
making time for yourself because it's only an hour. Yeah, right. And it's affordable. Right. And so for women to be able to do that, it almost like is the inciting appointment that's like, oh, okay, so it was only an hour, but I feel a hundred times better. I took time for myself. I read a magazine. I like turned off my brain. Yeah. And so it just kind of incites other like self-care. I just think it's important, you know, that it's accessible to a lot of people. I think that's so- Well, I think that's the thing too, is we feel like we kind of gave women like permission to do this because I think at, at some point, you know, obviously- you know, the the behavior of getting a blowout was something like our grandmothers did, right? Or our grandmothers' grandmothers did. They went to like that the beauty pearl, parlor and they honey. got the, mm-hmm. like, the big hair, the bouffant, <laughs> they didn't touch it for a week. Like you remember hearing stories about that. And like somewhere along the line, that behavior went away. And so I feel like we brought that back and kind of modernized it, obviously. But I mean, we have clients who go like two, three, four, like a week without, you know, days or a week without getting a blowout, getting, washing their hair, you mm-hmm. know, cause they, they feel so good about it, dry shampoo and they're done. So that behavior of our grandmother's grandmother's generation, you know, it went away, but it's like, you know, then it was only celebrities and like, you know, if you were like on a red carpet, then you had this like amazing mm-hmm. va-va-voom hair mm-hmm. and you had a celebrity stylist doing it and all of that. And it's like, why, why can't women everywhere experience that. And that was the thing too. I mean, it was interesting when we started the business because there was women like me who have curly, frizzy, like unruly hair that were taking part in in dry bar and were like, oh gosh, thank God there's dry Mm -hmm. bar. But then there was women, some women who had like straight hair and some women who were like, what's a blowout? You know, and once they went in for like a special occasion, like a wedding or bar mitzvah or something, and they, and they got a blowout, they were like, wow, you know, for $45, I can do this on a Tuesday and feel really great about myself. It doesn't have to be just for a special event. Mm. So it was definitely like that permission to go and take care of yourself and do something that makes you feel really good and that that hour to yourself. So all of those things, you know, weren't, again, things that we were strategizing or anything about in in the early days of starting the business, just definitely things that we realized after we started that like, wow, this Mm. is, this is like pretty, amazing what we're doing here. And then the first year, like, what was that like? Was it just like- Oh my gosh. I mean, the first, I would say like four to five years were just insanity. I mean, we were opening- Store so incredibly fast. I mean, the first the first like six months, I I worked seven days a week. I wouldn't leave the store. I like mm. wasn't comfortable. I mean, it was also like so much adrenaline, and it was like totally. We were busy all the time, and I just was like so. And I I didn't I didn't hire a manager in the beginning because again, I thought this was going to be much smaller than it turned out to be. And I I <laughs> I used to like sit at the first station and do blowouts, and then like so I could watch the front desk and make sure you know, whoever was at the front so desk you, was treating you were still people. doing blowouts. Oh yeah. Because we, wow. we didn't hire enough stylists when we first yeah. opened either, because we were like, I don't, we didn't know who was, how many people were going to be coming in. So I was very quickly trying to bring in more stylists, but I was like supplementing and I'm pretty fast. So I was like, I can get people in and out of here pretty fast. So I would sit at the first station so I could manage the front desk and make sure that those, you know, people checking in and out were happy and like everybody's happy. So I could like basically manage the shop from doing blowouts. And that was, I mean, that was really fun. And that was like a fun time. So I was in that shop around the clock. And then, you know, then we, six months later, we opened our second store in Studio City. And then within six months, we had opened, I think our third and fourth in like West Hollywood. And just because the first was doing so well. Well, because it was so busy that we had like, I my so my brother at the time hadn't, like he was running a real estate marketing company okay. and Cameron was still 
a creative director and advertising agency. So it was really just me. Yeah. My sister-in-law, Sarah, was also helping me, but I was like running the show. And I, you know, within a couple of months, I brought in like a store manager so I could have somebody else like helping me, but I was still there every day. And then by the time we opened the second store, then I was like splitting my time. And then we, by the time we opened like three and four stores, I could still kind of split my time between all the stores, but it was, it was hectic. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> women from like Beverly Hills would walk in and, and then the Brentwood women would be like, get these ladies out of here, give them their own store. I mean, it was like, Honey. it was very busy. And <laughs> it was way. like, we were like the cool club <laughs> you couldn't get into, <laughs> but, but that's not wow. what you don't want that for your yeah. business. You yeah. know? So we were like, I, and my brother was still, I was like, you have to stop the business you're doing and come do this with me full time because I think we're like, we've kind of captured lightning in a bottle here and we have to like wow. really what do this. And he was, was, he was down. He was down because, cool. you know, obviously he was like very invested from the very beginning. And I think we, he didn't, rightfully so, him and Cameron didn't quit their day jobs because I wasn't really taking much money as a salary because we were all just kind of like holding our breath to see if this was even going to work. So they still had their jobs so we could all still eat. And mm-hmm. and so, but I, and really within those first like couple of weeks, I was like, Mike, you have to come and do this with me full time. And, and he was like, yeah, I think I do. Wow. <laughs> and so I was like, can you find a second store? Because, and that's always, he's still like, is our kind of, our head of real estate. And, and that's, that's what he started doing and just figuring out those leases. Cause I didn't have time to do anything else. I mean, and I had two little kids at home. So it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty intense uh, there for a while, but the intensity didn't, I mean, it really hasn't slowed down, but in the like within four or four years in, we brought in a professional CEO, which used to be my brother. And then we brought in all these other people. So to help do a lot of the things that I was doing, I was, you know, now had help, which now I have, we have tons of help. So it was, it was crazy, crazy, crazy in the beginning. I'm fascinated by like your relationship too, with your husband, like, Mm -hmm. like what did it, First, you already had two kids, right? Mm-hmm. When you opened, yeah, they were three and five. So, Damn, yeah. Well, my mom also like lived close by, so that was like okay. the saving Dude, that's grace. The money she was like with the—I mean, she was like their second mom, so she was wow. with them all the time. So that really helped because so it was like my life changed pretty instantly. And, and I was like, not only working all the time, but then there was, and this was a great thing, but we had all this press and that. So I was mm. like the spoke, all of a sudden I was like the spokesperson for the brand. Cause it was my idea. It was my baby. And so then that like kind of spiraled into a whole thing all the time where I was always doing press and interviews and all of that. And, and that was kind of a, like a big, like, Oh, this is interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You know, so it's just all this newness that was happening. Yeah, and- like the, it's fun to think about like your relationship with your husband, how it's like changed over the years, yeah. like from first meeting, having kids. And now it's like this rebirth. I don't know how it feels totally. like to you, but how have you managed kind of like that personal relationship, you know? Well, it's been interesting because when we first met, I was like, I think we got married when I was 27. And mm-hmm. I, and and even though I had already gone to beauty school and I'd done a lot of things and I'd worked in a lot of great salons, we met when we were both living in New York City. And, uh, you know, after like going through like a major party phase, we all of a sudden, all we did was go to dinner and a movie. And we lived in a teeny tiny apartment in New York City. And I was like, I, 
I was like, I don't think I can do another winter here for starters. And, <laughs> you know, and I was like, we're, we live in this city and we have really no money and it's just hard. And we've kind of had surpassed oh, right. that like rite of passage, which I think everybody should live in New York City, but mm-hmm. we were just a little over it. So I was like, I think I want to move to California. So, you know, for him, he'd worked in major advertising agency in New York. And then we moved to San Francisco for a very short lived not great year, which is a whole other story. Mm. But then we were in LA and I was like, all I could think about was having kids. And I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. He had a great job. He was in advertising. It was like, life was felt pretty perfect. Like he was making decent money being in advertising and I was able to be a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, that, and that was an interesting time because I was at home with my kids all the time. And I, mm. you know, started to make a lot of friends through that world. But you know, I can remember when Cameron would come home from work and I'd be like, like talking his fucking ear off because <laughs> I was like with babies all day. And so, and that's when I think I, that's like was the beginning of me starting to feel like, oh my God, like I need to do something that like mm. challenges me and I need to do something for myself again. So it was an interesting transition going from being like a stay at home mom and him being the breadwinner and like that whole life to starting this business that was my idea that exploded on us. And if, you know, me being the one who was now traveling and like working so much and being like the face of this brand. And it was definitely like a shift, which like took a second of adjustment for us. And, mm-hmm. and, and then it like, you know, over the last eight years, I've had to travel so much that like, he's, you know, we have a fight occasionally about like, you're never home and mm-hmm. I'm always with the kids and all mm-hmm. of that. So it's, it's definitely been a lot of, you know, ups and downs. And, and we're kind of in the middle of another transition because Cameron, which you know, we haven't even really like made this like official to the world. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) It is. He, so Cameron has always done all the creative work and branding for Drybar. Which is so good. He's he's so good. Talk about like lucky. He's so incredibly talented as you know. So, and, and, you know, for years people have come to us asking if Cameron would like help them with their brands, whatever. And of course he always says no, because he's so busy with Drybar. So long story short, you know, we were living in, in, um, in, in Orange County for a couple of years because that's where our, our corporate office oh, is okay. in Irvine. And I didn't, I, I didn't love it there. And I wanted to move back to LA and we were like, our business was kind of really taking off here. So I wanted to get back here. So we moved back to LA and it was a little bit of a, like moving the off, like creative and marketing. And it was a little, little hairy there for a minute. But anyways, long story short, Cameron has actually broken off from dry bar he still does all of Drybar Creative, but he's got his own agency. So it's, it's which is called CWA. But he ha- we haven't like, he's like, I don't have a website yet. We don't, you know, he's- Babe, don't tell anyone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the reason that, you know, I haven't like, you know, we uh-huh. haven't put anything out there because he's not 100% set up to take on other clients, although he is- taking on other clients and there are some other things that we have in the works that I really can't talk about. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's just, and for creatives, like they want, they get really like stale Mm -hmm. and bored of working on the same thing over and over again. So this was, that was also part of the catalyst for starting an agency where the creative team could work on other projects and, and, and they're all better for it. You know, when you're working on multiple projects, you like there's just more creativity happening. So that's kind of where we're at now. So, uh, and meanwhile, our like corporate office is down in Irvine and then I'm here. So it's just kind of an interesting time as we've broken off a little bit. So, but it's so fun. And, you know, and I'm in Irvine all the time mm-hmm. still, but I have, an, I have an office in now CWA. So, yeah. so it's a neat new little phase and chapter for us. Oh, I yeah. love that. I'm sure yeah. it gives him like 
his own thing too. It does. And I think he was like ready for that, you know, creatively and personally. I think it was like the right time for him to like start this new endeavor. Mm. So, it, but but not to worry everybody, he still does <laughs> dry bar exclusively. <laughs> He's still in charge of all dry bar creative. Yeah, well, did you have any input? Like what was the, what were the conversations for branding like? Like, do you think yeah. you would have been as successful if your branding wasn't so on point? No, I think that, you know, I feel very strongly that there's a lot of different things that have, that together have made us so successful. And even though what's been really satisfying for Cameron, never having been like an entrepreneur, his parents worked for other people. So there's just no entrepreneurship in his family. He didn't know Mm. any of it at all. My parents had their own business. So Michael and I were like, you know, it was like, we're just like, it's in our blood. So for Cameron, it was really very gratifying for him to be, you know, not being told like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, which normally clients, when you're working for, and there's a client, they're like, I don't like this, or can you make this font bigger? And he just wants to be like, no, that's a bad idea, but you kind of have to do what the client does, and there's that whole thing. So for, for Drybar, it was really amazing and such a like fun thing to watch for him to just be like, I'm totally calling the shots here. Nobody can tell yeah. me no. Wow. You know, that being said, he he would always bounce things off me and Michael and we and Michael and him actually have such a great relationship and Michael has a marketing background too. So they would they're actually a really great team. And and we all always talk about things. Like when we were, you know, our architect Josh Heitler, who's out of New York, when we told him we wanted the shops to feel like I always wanted it to feel like like a boudoir, like white and pretty and clean, but we wanted a pop of color. So mm. we all talked about all these different colors and obviously ultimately all felt like yellow was a thing. So, so many of those decisions were made uh, at, at a, you know, a group level, but Cameron- not pink. Yeah. What's that? I'm surprised not pink. Well, it's purpose, very purposely yeah, right, not exactly. pink. Because it just felt like- Too cliche. Yeah. Like it had been done. And And it also is like, how much time can you spend in a space that's like pink? Yeah. You know, I mean, granted dry bar yellow, it's pops of yellow. Like the whole shop isn't yellow, but yellow just to me felt like something nobody was doing and Mm. felt very bright and happy. And, And one of Cameron's kind of, the research and the way he he kind of comes out with things when when we were starting dry bar he looked at a lot all the other hair brands out there just to see like what what is what do most people do which is very similar it was like dark and gray and black and shadow and smoky and so true you know which yeah. i think it's evolved since then but that was really like think it's anything. like the redkin and the right. like orbe is black. yeah yeah bumble and, and bumble's know, kind of bright they yeah they're bright Kevin and now Murphy's and like now Pistol. it's like there's great brands out there like R and Co and you know there there's yeah. it's definitely changed the landscape has changed but you know ten years ago it it wasn't and so we just he always wanted the brand to feel like happy and sunny and bright and so that's kind of how it came but you know he's he's ultimately like the final decision maker when it comes to branding but it's it was all very collaborative and it still is. Mm. What advice would you give for um, an entrepreneur or someone that's starting a business in regards to branding? Well, I think it's, it's, <laughs> I think most people think they're really good at branding. Honestly, it's yeah. like when you, when I, it's, and it's, and it's pretty shocking to me how <laughs> bad branding is in a lot of places. Let's yeah. just leave it at that, you know? And I think that, and then, and then you see places that it's like unbelievable, like sprinkles cupcakes. That's a great example. A you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of like, um, like salt and straw. Like I think mm-hmm. they do a good job 
I don't know why I'm going to all desserts, but <laughs> but there's a lot of I like this. <laughs> and, <laughs> there's a lot of like places that that do a great job, and it's like the first thing you notice. You know, when you walk yeah. into a place and it's well branded, you're like. I'm in. You just you you immediately like love the and have like a kinship you with trust the bread. It. And you trust you it. You're like, like you're somebody taken care of. Right. Somebody yep. thought of these details. Someone thought of which this. to your point makes Thoughtful. you feel better about everything else that's gonna happen to you in this place, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, frankly, a, a lot of businesses miss, which is why I've always wanted Cameron to go out on his own because I think there's so much opportunity, you know, and and he's been inundated, which is great. So to answer your question, I think that like be really like honest with yourself and, and, you know, and don't assume that you can just, you know, having no background and no experience. And, and in like, I think there's some people who are just like naturally creative. Like, I don't know if you guys ever get over to Culver city, but one of my best friends owns Midland. Have you ever been to that shop? Oh no, no, yeah. It's on um, Washington and it's this really cute store and it's, and she is this girl, Paige Appel. She's She's my best friend. She's been forever and she mm. decorated my house. She has like a naturally great mm. aesthetic and her store is so super cute and you fall in love the second you walk in. So she's got that down, but she's rare, you know, like I didn't, like I couldn't have like branded dry bar the way it was. I mean, in my case, like Cameron was our secret weapon. So I think recognizing, which is like my overall advice for everybody ever in starting a business is like recognize what you're good at and what you know and what you don't, you know? And I think having that sensibility for great branding, you know, as long as you have it, great. As long as somebody in your team has like a good sense of that, because it, it's not just like being able to like, you know, like, like you're part of like this place. It's so cute, you know, but then it's like, how do you carry that consistently through a business mm. from everything from like the emails that you send and, and the signs that you put up and the way the bathroom looks and like the bags and like there that brand consistency across mm. the board is so incredibly important. Cause you may be able to like decorate your apartment cute, but like, can you, can you turn that into a, a business that, that every touch point for a customer has that piece of branding, which again, shit I didn't understand eight years ago that now is very crystal clear to me. So, you know, being open to having that, you know, real conversation, you know, with yourself or your partners of, you know, getting somebody to make sure that you're like on point. Those moments when you're like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. You know, like- (laughs) There's been a lot of those. Right. But what is your nature? Is it to be like, okay, let me learn or is it does it paralyze you? Like what, a, how did you get I through that? I think it's like a little bit of both. I feel like in the early days when we were starting Dry Bar and I was having to deal with like everything, like figuring out what kind of licensing we needed because we were a hair salon, but we weren't really a hair salon. So then I had to spend like hours and hours on the phone with the cosmetology board. And then I had to figure out how to like read all the mm. contracts and the things that we needed. And some of it, I just like hunkered down and figured out. And some of it, I was like a very good friend of ours was as a, a lawyer. And I was like, can you like a real estate lawyer is like, can you decipher what the fuck this means? Because Mm -hmm. I don't understand it, you know? And I think that that's another good lesson is like leaning on people and friends, family, people to help you navigate some of the waters of things that you don't, you know? I mean, there's some things that I, you know, I I also used to have to do payroll when we first opened, which is everybody should be happy. I'm not doing payroll anymore. (laughs) But to your point, I figured it out. Like we had to get people paid. And when I would also ask for help and when I needed it, you know, that's also the beauty of having two business partners that we can all kind of help each other and bounce things off. But I would ask, you know, I was never shy and bashful about that. I would ask anybody who would who was willing to help yeah. and like lend a hand or give me advice or say, you know what, you should try 
this or talk to this person. They can probably help you with that. You know, it was like trying to find like towel vendors out of the blue. I mean, I, Dude, how do you know? I mean, who, and, it's and the little things you don't. It's so many little things. <laughs> and, and I literally, it's like kind of a long-standing joke now because I, when I was like trying to get everything ready for the store, and I was like, "Well, we need towels. We're washing hair. Where do we get towels?" And so I like looked online and like found the towel company and ended up like signing this contract, which we, which you know, a year later, my brother realized we were paying way too much for towels you know, in, in, you know, ratio to what we are doing and whatever. And so he tried to break the contract and they were like, oh, you know, your sister signed this contract that you, if you break it, it's like $30,000. And we were like, what? You know? And I was like, that was like my lesson and like, don't ever sign anything without a lawyer reading it. But just like, these are things that like, you just, you figure yeah, like, they tell that. you, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we're going to give you a thousand towels a week or whatever it was. And here's, here's how much it costs. And I was like, okay. You know? And it's like, uh, you know, there's a million little stories like that of things that like you, you know, it's like, and then before we had, we'd launched our own product line, when we brought in blow dryers, like they weren't lasting very long. Our blow dryers were dying left and right, which was like, shit, man, that's another really high cost, Wow. which they would just die. And like, there's, I, I remember I used to like try to work a deal with the vendor to get them to like repair them for free because, because no other blow dryer had, had to stand up to like what ours did. And we were open 12 hours a day and they were pretty much running 12 hours a day, which is really why we ended up making our own because mm-hmm. we needed something more powerful that would last longer and be lightweight enough for our stylus and all of that. So it's like, I could go on and on. I mean, there's so many examples of things that you just don't know that you don't know and you figure out as you go and mm-hmm. hope for the best. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to just kind of be up for that challenge and not like get freaked out. And then also know that like, if it's your own business, like you just, you have to be the one that says, just figure something out. You know, I feel like I remember so much in the early days, just being like, you know, people coming to me with problems all the time and being like, I don't know, but yeah. never saying that, but just being like, well, somebody has to make a decision. It may be the wrong one, but I'm, I got to make one because mm. nobody else is going to. And so that's, you know, kind of an empowering exercise as you, when you're running your own business that you just do that. And, and you, you know, you have to cut yourself some slack and realize like, I may have made the wrong decision here, but I will learn from it. You know, mm. what's a decision that you made that was like a mess up? Well, definitely the towels. Yeah, that was. A, yeah, that's a good lesson that, for us. <laughs> that's, contracts. Yeah, contracts are tricky, and now it's like annoying because I, you know, I, I we spend a lot of money on lawyers, but you have to protect yourself. And because I get asked, you know, when I'm doing things all the time, people want me to sign something. I'm like, oh no, Ugh. you know, I'm like, because like it's such like that stuff is such like lawyer mumbo jumbo. But you, ha- somebody mm. needs to read it, make sure they're not like. So by the way. You know, if you curse Leave on the air, yeah, 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 you know, you're, it's that you just don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So many, so many. I don't even know if they're brands really because they don't feel like chains quite like yours at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when people copy your concept, yeah, like what was that like? Did you yeah. just not look blinders on, or? Well, in the beginning, I remember like the first one because it was right down the street from our first store, uh. and the woman who opened it wanted us to, she, a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> she was, she wanted to open, um, which she did at the country mart down the street. It's no longer there, but 
a makeup and blowout concept, which I was like, I don't want anything to do with makeup. You know, I was like, people, I'm sorry, people are not going to get their makeup done the way they get blowouts. Like it doesn't last. You wash it all the end of the day. Like, like I, sure there should be an option, but I was like, I don't want to be in that business. And she wanted us to partner with her. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, you know, I was like, I don't want anybody messing up what we have here. Mm -hmm. So we didn't. And she ended up opening herself and it was like, you know, whatever. I don't need to get into it, but right. I was really freaked out about it. And I remember I used to drive by it all the time. Oh my God. I love <laughs> so that. Just so to sorry. see, I was like, are there people in that. there? You know, and, and, and it, like a mustache on yeah, and glasses. Yeah, literally. Like what? <laughs> I totally felt like that. And, and so, you know, and I mean, that was a little more dramatic because it was like the first mm. copycat. And, and I, even today, I mean, I would always like, if you came into a dry bar and you were asking me like the questions you're asking me now, I would just, I would tell anybody, I would talk to anybody. I was so excited and happy about what we had done. And I even years later got a letter from a woman who had opened a total copycat in another city and was like, I just wanted to tell, like, basically like, I don't know what the point of that is. I want to apologize and say that like, you were so gracious and talked to me for so long about your business. I've actually opened my own and I just wanted, it was like a clearing conscious kind of, it was so weird. I still have that letter. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this because, I mean, I think that like she was well-intentioned by sending me this letter, but, you know, it was kind of like a moment where I realized like maybe I need to like not tell everybody yeah. everything about my business, but- We've been learning that too. Yeah. Feel that. <laughs> but I mean, but but again, I, I think we, then we were like, we felt very like closed lip about like things mm. that we would say. But then what we realized was like even things that we would say in interviews or whatever, like nobody really- got it, you know? And, and I do feel like there is this like secret sauce that we have that you, you know, it's just not easily duplicatable. I mean, between Absolutely. the experience that my brother brings, what my husband brings, what I bring, like I, you know, I have 20 years in this business. I know blowouts, I feel like I can say better than anybody, you know? And I, I don't claim to be like the best hairdresser that ever lives, but when it comes to blowout and what, what I know lasts and works and techniques and all of that stuff, like I've been honing that, that muscle for a very long time and now running dry bar, you know, we, we, we beg for feedback. I mean, you guys know after you leave, we send you an email, like tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. We really want to hear it. So, you know, now we've spent almost 10 years, like compiling all of that data and information to make sure we're doing it right. So there are a lot of co- competitors that keep popping up. And and in some ways I feel like, and, and I really do feel this way, that the, it, the copycats, especially in cities that we're not in, has a, raised the awareness of the category. Because like I was explaining before, there was a lot of women who didn't even know what a blowout was, never had a blowout, like kind of could understand because when they would get their hair cut, like that day their hair looked better than it ever normally does. Mm. So they kind of got it. So the whole category has has been lifted. And, you know, there's a lot of blow-dry bars all over. The, 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 the part of it that makes me crazy is when they really like copy us. Like we have people who are like, you know, open a blow-dry bar and they call it like Sally's Dry Bar. I'm like, you, you can't use dry bar, but it's almost like become like Kleenex tissues. It's like, you, you just like, you're like, give me a Kleenex. Yeah. It's not an act. Kleenex is the brand, you yeah. know? You're like, I'm going to take an Uber. Yeah, exactly. And, and you could be taking other things. Mm-hmm. So it's been, that part's been frustrating mm-hmm. and we've had to like spend a boatload of money in legal fees to like wow. shut people down who've done that. So that's like the flip side of it that's frustrating. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, I think we're, we're way ahead of the pack. We're, we have 105 locations. And, and again, I do feel very, you know, strongly that there is just something that we do that is hard to, to, to duplicate. Yeah. I feel the same about us. Yeah. 
Because it's like at the beginning when we would talk to people that would be like, oh, we want to start a podcast. And we would tell them everything. And then you were like, oh, I don't know if that doesn't feel good, you know, to do that. Because you maybe have a little bit of insecurity about the path. Yeah. But now I don't really care because I know it's like an X factor that yeah, we have. Totally. That really is like a differentiator. How many years have you guys had this? Two. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, doesn't really matter. Yeah. You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah, I feel that. In terms of um, brand consistency, you were talking about how do you communicate consistency to the people that work for you? I think, you know, to have that expectation and as you grow to Mm -hmm. to 105 plus store, you know, salons now, I mean, it overwhelms me. I can't breathe just thinking about it. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of people to- Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where where it gets really important to bring in a great- you know, management and leadership team. Sure. And, I, and I think I, I, it was like around 11 stores. My brother was like, I think we need to bring in somebody who has experience like running an organization with this kind of scale. And and we did, we started to bring people in. Like we brought in a woman who had run Pinkberries and, you know, people who understood like scale and HR and like putting systems in place because we just were winging it and bootstrapping it. So it was, mm-hmm. it was hard. I mean, from a culture standpoint, you know, it was, I think dry bar has been this great thing for this like bridge for stylists. You know, like I mentioned before, you know, when I came out of beauty school, I was like, you and, and most people stylist experience when you come out of beauty school you have to be an assistant for two years somewhere you slowly get fed clients and it just takes forever to build up your book you know dry bar is like another option another avenue for stylists to go where they are you know getting comfortable being on the floor we have a very robust training program in place so we and I've always said that like we can take good stylists and make them great. I, we can't always take stylists right out of beauty school who don't have any experience but yeah. you know it's like probably 50 50 and so we've you know, created this other place for stylists to like work and get really comfortable. And what ends up happening all the time, which we are, you know, m- more than happy to support is stylists develop a relationship with clients that come in. And, and even though, you know, dry bar is set up so that you're going in and seeing whoever, inevitably sty- there's always clients who like the stylist they like, and they, they seek those stylists out. And so they, they build a rapport and there's a trust. So then they, it becomes a lead generator. Like the stylists will be like, Oh, you know, I, I'm cutting hair over at the salon down the street. You should come oh. and see me. And so it does become a lead generator for them. And we've had stylists who've like left us because they got so busy at their cut and color salon. And then when things get slow, they're like, can I come pick up some shifts at dry bar? So we've created this other avenue again for stylists to go down, which I think has really contributed to the culture. And the fact that like, there's nothing quite like dry bar. I mean, you work hard in dry bar. And I think that sometimes like, <laughs> are, it's it's an interesting, the millennial I love them, but there's also mm. this like, you know, it's like, I think, and I don't even know if it's necessarily millennial or just the fact that like, if you've never had to be someone's assistant and you've never worked in like a really busy salon where like, you're lucky if you take a bite of a sandwich all day, which is what my experience was when I came out of beauty school and I worked, I was an assistant for like years and and I worked my ass off and I didn't, I never complained about like eating lunch or breaks and all the stuff that, you know, is is like real <laughs> now. And, mm. and I'm not saying people shouldn't get breaks because everybody mm-hmm. should get breaks, but it's just a different world in that yeah. way. And so, you know, 
we, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's like dry bar isn't the place for every stylist because you are doing client after client after client after oh, client. Yeah. And that's just a pace. Whereas like if you're working in a full service line, you're doing color, it's sitting, you can maybe take a break or you, or you have four assistants who are helping you apply color or whatever the case may be. When you're working in dry bar, like it's just you, you wash your own client, you know, and not every stylist and it's okay, but not every stylist is like down for that. They don't want to mm. be in the, that kind of environment, you know, which we've had stylists who've like, you know, bad mouthed us and complained and whatever, because they, because how hard they're working and they are working hard, like make no mistake, but that's the job. And, and, and some people thrive on it and love it. I mean, we have 3000 stylists. So I think there's enough people out there that like it, but it is a really hard job. And it's like, you have to kind of sign up for that, you know, in, in like my heyday, I, that's what I was doing and I was fine with it. So, you know, so for the stylists that like love it, you know, it's, it is, you, you really feel part of something and they love that they can make women feel really good. And, you know, we have this whole heart and soul, like all of our values, our 10 core values that, and we have these cards that you can like write a value that you saw in somebody else and put it up on the back wall. Mm. And, you know, we always have food and snacks mm. for the stylists and we do as much as we can do to like make them feel good while they're there. Like having clean break rooms and having snacks for the stylist and giving them really flexible shifts. Like they don't have to work an eight hour shift or even a six or, you know, there's, there's a lot of flexibility. So I think that has made, you know, it, it, a, it, a fun work environment, but you know, it's also a lot of work. So, you know, like everything in life. How do you shut, like, do you and your husband, like, how do you guys turn it off? Like, do you, that's a good question. Do you ever do that? You know, yes and no. I think as uh, over time, we've gotten better at that. And the fact that we have so many great people, we have a professional CEO, we have, you know, a head of retail, a head of marketing, and then they have their teams. And so, so many of like the little things that we used to have to do, we have somebody else doing. But, you know, I think that's like the double-edged sword of owning your own business. Like you never a hundred percent shut it off. And it gets a little, I mean, for us at this point, it's gotten a little bit easier, but like I still get emails all the time from clients, like whether, you know, good and bad, sometimes they're upset and want to tell me about something. And, you know, and, and I still, you know, I still get a lot of those and still have to like, you know, make sure that they're getting taken care of. And people still reach out to me like on Instagram and DMs and which I, which I love because Mm -hmm. then I get to like, you know, see it all. And I don't ever want to be shielded, which is really tends to be a little bit of the tendency of, of like a team who doesn't Mm -hmm. want like the founder to be upset because, I want to be shielded. (laughs) I was thinking the other day, I was like, I can't wait to have a shield. Yeah. I I literally am going to tell my team, don't tell me anything. (laughs) But see, but the the problem with that is that, you know, it's like you, you care so much. And so when you hear that, like, you know, you're, I'm a big believer where there's smoke, there's fire. So when I hear that, like something's going on with one or one, even just one client, I'm like that if that woman was treated badly by somebody in our shop, there's chances are that whoever treated her badly is probably treating other people badly yeah. too. And it, and if nobody like mm. does anything about it, like, you know, that's like, you know, those are, those are like, I mean, you know, for me, I'm like, oh my God, the whole, the sky is falling. And if we don't fix this, our business is over, Yes, you know, but, I, but somebody needs to be that person that's like, you know, this, we have to fix this, you know, mm-hmm. which I am, I am that person and drive everybody crazy. Did you read every email? 
I honestly don't anymore because it's just like the vat. I mean, we're doing 1.2 million blowouts a year. So it's virtually impossible. But I do, a lot of things do bubble up to me. And, you know, I think there's some people who are craftier than others. And I get it because I'm like that too. Like, uh, you know, people find my email and they email me and they're like, listen, I've been, or just old clients. I've been a customer a long time, but I got to tell you, I noticed this in you know, whatever store. And I thought as a business owner, if it was my business, I'd want to know. So, you know, I take those very seriously, but we do have a, like a really expansive customer service team too, that's dealing with all of that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they do, and they do a really good job. I mean, our like overall rating and with, this was funny because we did a survey maybe a year or so ago when I was like really freaking out. Cause I was like about something and we did a survey and, you know, surveys are only so good and you only get, you really only capture a small percentage, but like our, I mean, our like standard level is like 99.7 or something Mm -hmm. so insanely good, knock on wood. But keep in mind with 1.2 million clients or blowouts, you know, that, that like 0.3% is still like thousands and thousands of people. So in my mind, I'm like, thousands and thousands of people is still a lot, you guys, but it's a hard, like, you know, and then there's some days where I'm like, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. But then there, you know, and some people just love to find stuff. That's yeah, wrong, honestly, you know? that's very true. They came in with like an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be like, something's mm-hmm. going to go wrong no matter what. Yeah. hundred percent. One of the last questions for me, but the, I think as an entrepreneur, as it's hard to take care of yourself. Yeah. And um, I'm sure it's happened later for you and you're really able to kind of take the time and do that. But what would you suggest for our listeners who are entrepreneurs and uh, who are struggling to find the time to take care of themselves? How do you find the time and what do you do? Well, I think that's very true because I feel like the first couple of years, you know, I was like, I got to be in the office by nine o'clock and like, have so much to do and whatever. So I wouldn't like work out as much as I'd like to. And I just felt like I, I had to be, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, somewhere along the line, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't feel good about my body. I don't feel good about myself. Like I have got to find the time. And for me, it was like hard to do it after work because I wanted to get home for my kids. So, like, you know, my, I wanted, I wasn't getting home till like five, six, seven o'clock at night. That only gave me a really small window with my kids. So I wasn't going to go work out then, not to mention I was tired, but that was something that I felt like was really missing. And it, it really did take me a couple of years to say, you know what? I'm going to come in the office at like 10 or 11 every day because I'm going to go work out in the morning and then I'm going to shower and then I'm going to come in and and I'm going to not take meetings until 10 or 10.30, not every day, but like I'm going to give myself a couple days a week or maybe even three days a week where like that's just what I do and everyone has to just kind of be okay with that, you know? And and as an entrepreneur, I mean, especially, you know, in my case, and there's a lot of other people, like, you, you know, you need to be respectful of everybody's time, but you know, that's one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur. It's like, you're your own boss. You make your own rules. That's one of the greatest things about being an entrepreneur is like you figure out what works for you, you know, because, you know, for me, it's like, I could take off like an hour or two in the morning because I was going to work out and whatever, and then have my day, be with my kids, get my kids to bed. And then I would get back like on my computer and deal with the rest of the stuff that I had to deal with. And that to me felt better than just being at the office at nine. And, you know, and so I think you just have to find your own way and and not like shame yourself about it. You know, you have to, I think that my rationale was like, I'm like a better, happier person if I'm working out in the morning versus this like cranky feeling like I'm getting bitter person that nobody wants around, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Do you, are you, my last question, are you spiritual at all? (laughs) Not really, but I feel like 
I think it's like in me, mm-hmm. you know, like I think that there's, you know, I grew up very non-religious, so I don't, you know, and ironically, my husband grew up Mormon and I'm Jewish, but it was, wow. and so, but neither, and he kind of left the church, which is, you know, a whole other interesting, really, really interesting story. A pot about that. I know. You know, so I think that like on some level, I feel like I probably am. I don't think I've like explored it, mm-hmm. you know, are you? Yeah. And it's just interesting, like your intuition, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you must be like spiritual, but in like a... Yeah. Well, I'm very much like, and I don't know if this is considered spiritual. Now, I feel like I'm very like, everything will work out. Like everything happens for a reason, which is funny. It kind of has been your life. Yeah. Yeah. And and my my brother is so like, oh my God, like rolls his eyes when I say (laughs) stuff like that. You know, he's like, you make- Guys always roll their eyes I know, what's the deal? Well, he's like, you make your own destiny happen. And I'm like, yeah, it'll work out. Like, I've, you know, I've always been that person. and, And it's always been this kind of joke in my family that like everything just always works out for Allie. And I'm like, First of all, that's not true. Second of all, like I'm just like a big believer. It's just been this like kind of guiding light for me that like whatever's meant to be will be is is like cheesy as that sounds. Like I've always really believed that like things work out the way they're supposed to. And I, I always felt that way about dry bar. Like if if I was not really, I mean, I was nervous and had nerves about opening dry bar, but if, I always felt like if it didn't work out, no one was going to die. We'd all get jobs. Like we'd survive. We'd be fine. You know? And so I think that's always been my like, you know, and sometimes it's harder to see, I think when you're in a tough situation or whatever, but yeah, I think that's like my kind of overall Mm -hmm. philosophy. Could you imagine your life now? God, no. Isn't that crazy? So crazy. And it's funny because I think as a kid, I I was so like, what am I going to do? And I didn't know what I really wanted. And, um, and I just kind of, stumbled into this this life that I love so much. I mean, I really do. I love my family and my kids and the fact that I get to work with my brother and like all the crazy opportunities Drybar has given me. Like I feel very, very lucky, but I also feel like like I've I'm like very generous. I'm a good person. I promote other people. Like I do I do, I'm I'm mm-hmm. such a giver that I feel like, you know, like, you know, it's I I deserve good things, mm-hmm. but I think I'm a very big like, you know, you have to like, you get, you reap what you sow and you know, everything comes back to you and all of that stuff. So I think I kind of live by that philosophy. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Who does your blowout? Yeah. Do you Who have like has a, the coveted job? No. I, do they get so nervous? <laughs> or, do, or do you they do like, do, a, do they wait, like puke on themselves? Have you ever like gone in as like a secret shopper and yeah. like anyone not known who you were? Undercover CEO. Under, <laughs> undercover boss. Undercover you know, boss. I have, I've definitely walked into stores where stylists, don't realize who I am at first. And you're like, do you even know? Who which which uh, more is annoying because I, I want them to know like the culture of the company. Sure. That's rather than like one's, the, the ego about it. Yeah. But it's definitely shifted over the years, especially since like my magazine cover and all that. Yeah. Then it's like, you can't not know who I am. The yeah. magazine is all over the shop, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so there is that like, there are certainly those nerves, which, which honestly, you know, everyone in my company always jokes around with me because I'm like, well, I, it's so annoying to me that they get nervous. Why do they get nervous? And they're like, Allie, like, you don't, you don't realize. I'm like, I don't realize what, like, I'm sure there's some really tough clients. Like I'm just think of me as a tough client. And it's just kind of this like funny thing <laughs> mm-hmm. that we have, but I do, I go in different shops all the time and get blowouts from different people all the time. And, cool. um, I, I have like some favorites here and there, but I, I really try to like, go to as many stylists as I can and, yeah. you know, 
Julie and Elizabeth would do that with Soul Cycle too. I was too. wondering that, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. they would go to anyone and everyone, which was always because I, I guess they, like, I would expect the back. them to go to like Angela or yeah. like Stacy or something all the time. Well, but and I'm, they're like, and they I'm sure with Soul Cycle, if I remember correctly, there's no real like hierarchy with this. With the, I mean, there is a it's little. Just a, it's like a social, like I think. Pe- instructors become popular and they just kind of gravitate. But like on their own. Yeah. So exactly. like, that's the thing. Exactly. Like I've always been very against us and some of our management here and there has tried to do this where it's like, there's like a senior stylist mm. or a junior stylist. Mm. I'm like, no, nobody gets that kind of status. There's no hierarchy here. You know, it's like, but that, because, because the other problem with that, which I'm sure is true of soul cycle instructors is like who you love as a stylist may not be who you love as a stylist. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so, it's such a subjective thing, hair. It's like, you know, cause there's clients that, you know, absolutely are obsessed. And I have been in the stores before where I saw like a client come up to the front desk and I was like, oh boy, like I did not think her hair looked how I wanted it to look. But then, so I would like nudge and coach like the bartender, like, mate, how is everything? Do you love your hair? And like, the woman's ecstatic. Like, it's exactly what she wanted. So I'm like, oh my God, okay. Like these like tight little ringlets. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. But you know, what's funny is like, there's usually like a reason for it. Like there's so many women who come in and I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but they have really straight hair. So they they leave with their hair so super curly. It doesn't look super cute because it's going to fall. You know, or there's a million things like that. Like clients just, you know, we're all very set in our ways and there's clients yeah. who just like like a certain thing about their hair, which that was like a little bit of a learning for me. And so I would be like, okay. is And, and honestly, I don't care. I don't have any judgment. <laughs> I'm just like looking at it through my lens mm. of what I think is is what I like, but that could be different than what obviously what she likes. And I've done it a million times and like this, the bartender or whoever will come back to me like, no, she's so happy. Oh. She like tipped her well. She was ecstatic. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, that's the less thing for me yeah. to worry about. So, you know, so so there can't be that like it's just so personal and subjective. Mm-hmm. I mean, stylists don't get on the floor at dry bar unless they, you know, go through a bunch of, you know, making sure they can do like a handful of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, of course, like we're not always perfect, but we sure try. Mm. Well, what are you struggling with now? I think I think that probably the biggest thing is more of like a personal struggle with like my kids getting mm. older. Oh. My, I have a 13 year old son who is like bigger than me. He can, he picks me up when he hugs me now. Right. And he was like my baby. I'm like, just, I, just yesterday he was oh. like, I was like nursing him, you know? Oh. So, and he's going into eighth grade and eighth grade's so hard. And so I'm like five more. Well, yes for him, but for me, I'm like five more <laughs> years. That's all I have with you, oh. you know? Cause then it gets really scary thinking about like, he's going to, move out. And like, we know, you know how you were when you were out of high school and you're like, see ya, you know? And, and I, there's already that in him. Like he's like ambitious and I know mm-hmm. I just can see it. Like he's just going to, you know? And then I was like, oh my God, it's gonna be so weird when he doesn't like live here anymore. Like, Whoa! you know? So I think it's, I, I think I like, it just gives me such a pit in my stomach when I think about like mm-hmm. that being only five years away. You know, because when you have a baby, you just feel like Forever. you have 18 years in front of you, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my, my brother, my brother, Michael just had a baby who's like two weeks old. Oh, wow. So it's really fun to like hold a baby again. But, and I was like, we were kind of going back and forth on wanting to have another one and wanting a girl because I have mm-hmm. two boys and then, and she's so cute and like delicious. But I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to have another baby. I think I'm good with giving this one back, you know, a couple hours. And then <laughs> I'm like, bye, you guys have fun. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so precious. 
What would you tell, last question, what would you tell your um, younger self? Maybe that self that was kind of not knowing what she wanted to do, early 20s, late teens. I, I think, I remember when I was like, I had gotten out of doing hair, which because I felt like I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent fulfilled. And I was like working in New York city. I was working in PR as you do as one does in New York. And, (laughs) um, and I was like, it, which was a really great experience that I think informed a lot for me in in terms of like learning how to like write a professional email and how to write in general. Cause I used to have to write press releases and things like that. Um, but I, I don't think I had the confidence that I have now. And I, I think I would tell my younger self to like speak up more, speak your mind more, because I, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned that like I am smart and I know what I'm talking about. And I think that it takes a little while to like, mm-hmm. you know, get comfortable flexing that muscle of like not being afraid to say something stupid, which, you know, everybody says something stupid every once in a while. But just having that confidence that I have now, I wish I had like in my 20s and 30s, you know? Totally. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, who has that? Unless that's your conditioning, like as a young kid to just be like, fuck it. Yeah, literally. But Well, I think it's like, you know, being Mm -hmm. like coming coming out of your shell a little bit more. Like, I think I just could have done, looking back in situations and times, like I should have, you know, when I was like, could have spoken up about something that I didn't, you know? And yeah. you're right. I think it is just who you are in your 20s. But, you know, I think that we we live in this really amazing time of like all these women doing great things. And I think when you think back about, you know, we had Sarah Michelle Geller on our podcast as our first one. And mm-hmm. she was talking about, I mean, obviously her company Foodsters, you know, rivals like Betty Crocker and mm-hmm. these companies that have like these box things. And she was saying, and she said on our podcast that like, you know, when you think back to like the twenties, I guess, when like women didn't talk about their days and like they had their husband's slippers. I mean, I was like, Oh my God. Like, can you, I mean, we, none of us can imagine growing up in a world like that, but I think it's like, you know, small, slow shifts as we, you know, for the girls growing up Mm. now, like I can't think of role models when I was like, even in my teens or twenties, you know, I think there was like, it was like Michelle Kwan. (laughs) Maybe. And then like, there was like fashion designers. Like I worked for Nicole Miller a brief stint when I lived in New York and, but there weren't like powerful business women the way there are now. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that, that these women exist, you know, that it gives girls like this, like I can do it too. Yes. Mentality and attitude, which I think is so badass and awesome. And I'm happy to, a part you of that. Role model. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, for thanks for having me, so you guys. Much. I love yeah. hanging with you. Yeah, yeah. So now that we're best. done, it means air conditioning. Yeah. Be <laughs> That's the only problem with podcasts. We, 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 so, like, we like to sweat out our uh, guests. Yeah, literally, um, we just wait until we see beads of sweat, and then we're like, I guess we should end. <laughs> <laughs> our, it happens on ours too. We're like, we're like in a hot box so here. Sorry. Yeah, it's like go until. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for our listeners. If you have not, what I love about Dry Bar, also it's everywhere. So um, when yeah, you're traveling, yeah. it's just some. It's kind of like we were literally on tour and Chris mm-hmm. and I were like where's the driver yeah I was like and I it was just like, didn't want to do like my five hair. in yeah. the radius of where we were, oh, we're like amazing. Great. and I walked past one I was like yeah. perfect yeah <laughs> literally yeah. it's a little like piece of home almost yeah you know like it just makes you feel like oh, yeah taken care of yeah so if you haven't Good. been definitely go um and check out uh Ali's new podcast we're so just we're honored to kind of be in that space too it's just a really good opportunity to like speak your truth and like 
you know, your story and people that you bring on the podcast, you know, it's, it's important to share. Well, it's been fun for me with raising the bar, talking to other, we're talking to entrepreneurs like Sarah Michelle Geller and like Curtis Stone and people who like have made it and they're very successful. But then we're talking to people that you've never heard of Mm -hmm. and, you know, and just hearing everybody's like stories and and philosophies and like sometimes we're like, oh, Mm -hmm. never thought of that. You know, like that's really good advice. Always learning. It's amazing. Always learning, you know, and and, and then imparting what we've learned, you know, with running dry bar, but it's been really fun because you always end up honing in on, or at least we have kind of end up honing in on one thing that Mm -hmm. they're they're like struggling with and it becomes this like business therapy. So So good. Yeah. Raising the bar. The best. Raising the bar. Awesome. Subscribe. All right. Thanks so much, guys. We will see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a fun one. What a cool gal. She's the coolest. I was talking about her ring. Her ring is fucking crazy. All her jewelry. She's a, she's a shit. Can't wait till I'm real rich and just have Same. a lot of jewelry. Oh, I'm As be... she deserves it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just can't wait to like. Can't wait to be rich enough to lose my jewelry all the time and not care. Oh, good one. Because that's what I do. Yeah, you, I you would definitely lose. I know. Justin's <laughs> like terrified. How do we secure How do we do your it? ring? I don't know, man. Leave it to Peaver. Why don't you, can you get it sized to like Too a tight. little tighter? Yeah. Maybe my little finger will fall off. Yeah, man, I don't even know. It's You're skinny fingers. That's why I'm, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's stressful. Well, I'm a fish. I feel like you should get a fake one. I fucking, literally, I think about that probably. Just to have, you know? Yeah, but I literally think, I'm like, dude, I wish I was like cool and confident enough to like just get a fake ring, period. Mm-hmm. Yo, who the fuck knows? I know. No one knows. I get like a five carat fake ring. <laughs> <laughs> literally, no one would know. No one would know. Everyone would be like, why is she so rich? How's she so rich? Oh, she's, but then she there so would be a few, a few bitches who would know the 100%. cut, clarity, color. I don't, ha- I don't hang out anywhere where anyone would know that shit. My best friend, Matthew Kane. A hundred percent. Would know. I know. <laughs> God. So would Crystal. LOL. Um, all right, y'all. Thanks we'll so see yo asses on tour. We cannot wait. Facebook group. Y'all know about it. Instagram at almost 30 podcast. Thanks for sharing. We love when you guys put this in your little stories and we always make sure to repost it on our page. You the best. We love you. Thank you for being so kind and generous and loving to the other people that connect in Almost 30 Nation. It means so much to them. Um, You guys have been such a support and light for the others of our community. So thank you for that. And be sure, you know, you have our full full permission, not that you needed it, but create community within your own community. If you want to create a Secret 30 group, we are going to help you facilitate that soon. We have some big news coming, but, uh, you know, start, you know, before that, book clubs, hike clubs, whatever you want, centered around, you know, connecting with Almost 30 Nation. Centered around that pussy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> pussy power. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. Love Bye. you so much. Bye. Put the cup down. Let's get it. Let me put this cup down.